versus kaijus evading monsters versus men so what's the topic you have to ask will the boys grid knowledge be up to task come on everybody get your kaiju freak gun this week we're talking about dying to xenon can these four souls that are broken and scarred shine like stars through the city's charred they need to gut time to the strongest combination to defeat you genesis kaiju domination now put your hands together and get ready to blast here comes the top tier parking basement kaiju podcast Oh man, that that is epic, Bryce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and our t- Gridman knowledge is not up to task. That's why we brought you here, <laughs> Professor yeah, Kaiju. I, well, I appreciate Alex it. was just saying he does not know any of the characters' names from the show. I don't think I know the character names, so we've got one person on the show this week that knows character <laughs> names from SSSS Dynasty Nine. Uh, Welcome into the Monsters vs. Men podcast, by the way, the bargain basement of the Kaiju Podcasting Airwaves. This week, as we try to stay alive, as you heard in our intro, we are discussing SSSS Dino Xenon. I'm Eric. And I'm Alex. And we have joining us, returning special guest to the show, Professor Kaiju, or as Alex and I like to say, King Kaiju himself. How's it going, Bryce? <laughs> I... It's going it's going pretty well, guys. I'm honestly really excited to talk about the show since um, while this was going on, I was doing um, some like discussion streams weekly about Xenon, and I haven't been able to um, really like articulate how I feel about the show like entirely because like I've had to sit on it for a while. Um, so this is like the first place I'm able to like after I've gathered my thoughts, be able to fully kind of like express uh, a bit like what I've gathered from the show and everything so i'm really happy to be back on here um awesome also if i may ask uh why king kaiju (laughs) (laughs) that's what i'm wondering i don't know it's just we always uh use the king emoji when we're talking (laughs) to you (laughs) (laughs) the crown the king the crown emoji whatever what we're talking about to you in our uh twitter dm so yeah it's quite the upgrade from professor to king it it is now uh Bryce, before we really get into it here, yeah, tell us a little bit about your channel. Our listeners should already know you um, if they've listened to our first episode on SSSS Gridman. I believe that's episode 61, I believe. Uh, So you can go back and take a listen to that one if you haven't already. Uh, So I think our listeners know you for the most part, but tell us what have you been up to? Uh, Tell us a little bit about your channel and why you're so invested and Gridman and Dino Xenon. Um, so my channel is, uh, well, it still needs a lot of work. Um, this past year has not been very favorable to be uh, put out content. But um, what my focus is, is putting out uh, educational and entertaining content themed around uh, basically most of the stuff that you guys talk about, tokusatsu and kaiju. Um, and I'm also eventually at some point willing to bend those uh those words a little bit to talk about other subjects that are, you know, pretty close to being kaiju movies and whatnot. But, um, you know, focused on that and like highly edited videos and uh, the last stuff that I've been doing, I've just been doing a bunch of discussion streams. I was talking about um, uh, with uh, Dinah Xenon, basically for the most part, uh, weekly streams every time the episodes were being aired uh, from Japan and uh, 
it's just been it's been a ride with Dino Xenon, and I've been really into it. And that's just because like the Gridman franchise as a whole, which it's really cool to be able to say it's a franchise now. But like yeah. ever since I was a kid, I grew up of things like Power Rangers and uh, Big Bad Beetleborgs, VR Troopers, like all of the Americanized like Tokusatsu shows. Um, and especially uh, Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad, which was the Americanized mm. version of Gridman. So mm. ever oh, since yeah. I was, yeah. So ever since I was a kid, I always had that little, that little bit of a, uh, you know, um, connection with it. And then I watched uh, SSSS Gridman, and then I watched the original Gridman show. Um, I still have not gone back to watch Cyber uh, Cyber Squad because I am still deathly afraid of how cheesy it's going to be, but. You know, it's uh, it's just like it's connected with my childhood and it's just a fun like every installment of the show I've enjoyed thoroughly. So, yeah, you you mentioned that you watched it uh, weekly as it was coming out. Now, I know I've been watching it over the past couple of weeks. I think Alex binged it today. <laughs> <laughs> but how was the experience of mm-hmm. watching this show on a week to week basis? Um, not really having that opportunity to just jump right to the next episode. Did it change your experience? Do you think of watching this show? I think it did a little bit. Um, I recently, now I didn't rewatch the entire show, but I rewatched, I'd say about like half of the show the last like week. Um, Mm -hmm. And several times, you know, I had a chance to like binge a couple episodes here and there. And I feel like I did get a slightly better experience out of watching it week to week. Um, I understand that that want to watch the next episode, which I did definitely while I was it was coming out. But I think there is um, it helped me like actually just and I've I've seen some people talk about this online. It actually just let me think on an episode for a while instead of just immediately going to the next and not letting certain things uh sink in as much. So mm-hmm. I think that kind of changed my viewing experience that way that I was able to think on certain uh, parts of the episodes and not just kind of forget a bunch of things because I may have just jumped to the next episode, uh, not fully thinking about everything I just saw. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. I understand that because like Eric said, I binged this bad boy today. (laughs) I did six episodes right before we got on. (laughs) Talk Uh. about completely different viewing experiences right yeah completely so different. interesting though that is interesting how our experience doing that with a show might change how we process it you yeah. know um yeah. but let's jump into it shall we yeah yeah because ready I, i'm still digesting and so i'm really excited to hear <laughs> professor kaiju's points of view yeah at, and just to like because whatever he says is probably going to fundamentally change the way I see the show. <laughs> I'm like still digesting. I haven't got my own hard feelings on it yet, except for that I, spoiler, I already, I, I really like it. Um, <laughs> but, I'm still uh, digesting the rap from the top of the episode. So. <laughs> uh, whatever Professor has to say to us and teach us today, I'm I'm all here for it. Yeah, yeah. This is definitely an education episode. <laughs> But let's 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 go ahead and jump into it. Um, in our previous episode on SSSS Gridman, I quote a director of that show and this show, Akira Amamiya, who said Gridman would focus on the youth of Japan and their relationship with technology. To start our discussion off this time, let me ask you all: What do you think is the focus of this series? Because it seems to have veered away from that terrain of technology. 
So what do you think is the terrain of SSSS Dynazenon? Bryce, Professor Kaiju, let's start with you. Um, so I always feel a little bad with, uh, I feel bad a little bit with this question because I definitely am very involved in the Twitter side of like uh, the show. I followed multiple accounts that were the main Dynazenon account and several people who um, were listing off their thoughts. And I saw some people say um, that they believe a lot of this was uh, the main focus was connections, like connections with mm-hmm. people. And I took that to mind when I was doing rewatching the show. Um, and I did realize that like, it does feel like that is one of the, the core elements of the show is um, it's, it's uh, how all of the main characters and even like the villains per se um, interact and connect with each other. And, it makes sense because of the way the show is structured because like the first season, uh, you know, with the first anime of Gridman, they, it was more along the lines of like a normal toku show where it's the main character becoming the hero. And then you have additional people like the, um, the assist uh, weapons like coming in and like, you know, like adding extra stuff for Gridman to help him fight. But in this show, it took the efforts of all four characters because it was more like a, like a mecha show where they had to combine their different parts and stuff to form a greater whole. And they had to basically forge connections with each other in order to do that. And it showed multiple times in the show that when they faltered, uh, Dynazine on the actual robot and everything faltered as well. And it kind of showed that like when they were able to overcome certain things that they did better. And I kind of see that as like, um, those connections. And then there's, you know, there's a bunch of other elements of like them dealing with their past and everything there. I think connections and bonds with people are like a, was like a big focus of the show. Hmm. Yeah. And what you're saying is interesting. Cause you know, I, again, I just finished the show. So I'm still digesting while you're saying these things. I'm like, what's interesting is the bad guys are all stronger when they work together, but yet they completely reject the idea of like bonds. And so they're never as strong as the heroes who are all about, you know, fighting for each other and something else, which is why they're more powerful in the end, which I really like. I really like this series because we get to explore these completely different elements from the uh, SSSS Gridman. I hope I had enough S's there. Uh, <laughs> which, you did actually. You know, so that's very proud of you, Alex. <laughs> which I, I really, I really liked Gridman. Uh, especially the more I thought about it. That's a show that the more I think about it, the more I love it. But what I really do like about this one is we get a lot more characters in this and they feel there's more characters, but they still manage to feel really fleshed out in comparison to the previous series. And I I try not to compare too much to that show, uh, even though I do feel like it's pretty inevitable, but I liked that they managed to quickly and effectively dive into the past of these characters. I mean, I know we, we really hung with uh, Yumi, or Yume. How, how are we going to say this? Mm-hmm. Yumi. Uh, <laughs> 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 well, I, we really hung with Yumi's backstory, and we got hints to everybody else's. And But it was really everybody else kind of got episode 10 to dive mm-hmm. into. And it's just that episode is such an awesome episode it's so good Mm -hmm. and it's this beautiful illustration of everyone's past regrets all these different things and 
that's not something we really quite got. I mean, we got some deep messages on Gridman, and that's stuff that you really had to dig into. And some of this stuff is, I wouldn't say surface level, because it is meaningful. But it's just a little easier to see. But I think that that's okay, because we get these great characters. And I mean, you did mention, you mentioned uh, technology, Eric, uh, mm-hmm. from the previous show. There, there's nothing in here, really, technology-wise. I mean, yeah, we get characters on their phones a lot. Um, which, you know, anytime they go out and eat together, it seems like they're on their phones. There's like little things like that, but that's about it. I mean, I don't think we even catch a glimpse of the interior of the Kaiju, which was like a red flag. I felt like in the original series until episode nine, where Gibzorg, that green robot Kaiju's arms get blown off and then you see the interior of them. But even then, like we're not really interested in that which i'm glad we explored that last time so this is i like that this story is about characters their backstories and what it means to move past like your personal obstacles like no matter the scope of each of their obstacles and in that way i think that this is actually a more relatable series Mm -hmm. yeah typically we save these thematic discussions alex until the end of our discussions (laughs) but it seems like for the sssss series it's it invites these discussions in particular. Um, I don't think that Xenon is as dense thematically as its predecessor, right? Um, but I agree with you that the characters are what drives this show. I keep coming back to that tagline of this series, the SSSS, Scarred Souls Shine Like Stars. What brings this ragtag team together, and I guess what also keeps them at arm's length from one another is their past, as you both mentioned, and how that past haunts them in the present. Of course, we mainly get a focus on Yume Minami's past, um, who has the most tragic story of this team. But Gaoma has his past, Kuyomi has his past. And interestingly, Yamogi, he clearly has a past and he has baggage. But as our main hero, um, his past is just kind of meant to be felt. Um, rather than explored, as he kind of explores everybody else's. We're kind of getting the story a little bit through his eyes, which I did like. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, what helps these characters through these personal history ghost stories is their love, their promises, and I'm going to fill in the blank for Gauma here, their friendship with one another. <laughs> um, the binds that they freely choose to give themselves to even if those binds are messy. That's what separates them. You're right, Alex. That's what separates them from the eugenicist. Did I say that word right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) From the eugenicist. Um, But to get back to the story and the style of the show, uh, Professor, what did you think about the pacing of the show overall? And and do you like that slice of lifestyle um, that this show presents? So I think... I've, I've, I have felt a little back and forth with the pacing of the show. There are some things I think that they could have done a little bit better um, with explanation wise. Like the fact, like when we're going back talking about like the, uh, the characters, like I really do agree that I think the characters as like the heroes and everything were done much better. Um, like with the original anime, it felt like a lot of the characterization was basically left to Akane. Um, Mm -hmm. the villain and everything like she was loaded with this character and it really helped carry the show. And in this, this show, I was much happier with having multiple characters, especially our heroes having these backstories and everything. But I feel like the pacing, like the way that they, they did certain things. I wish they had done it a little bit differently and maybe had 
cut some things off and maybe given more time to some other characters. Um, because I really hate it when I feel like characters are not getting equal, uh, flush, you know, putting stuff out there for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it which comes characters, to characters, uh, oh. sorry to cut you off. Which characters would you feel like you would have liked to see fleshed out more? I really feel like Chise out of the main mm-hmm. group was the one who got left out the most. I agree. Um, she had, yeah, she had like one episode that gave us a, a bit into her backstory, but it really was not the same as everyone else. Um, I wish there had been so- something a little bit more, de- a little deeper with her and mm-hmm. a little bit with the villains. Like, I feel like there could have been a little bit more for them um, to have gotten something uh, from them as well. You know, I don't think that they were, they had like no characterization, but it is really, it's also, um, I'm not really sure, like a little bit of like a weird whiplash to see something from Akane who had a lot of character. And then we get these four villains who don't, you know, there's nowhere near the same uh, amount of characterization, which I Mm -hmm. don't mind, but I still feel Mm -hmm. like some of them, um, I feel like some of them, I wish I had seen a little bit more and known a little bit more about who they were or what, how they thought a little bit. Yeah. Their, their character almost feels like it's strictly tied to their designs, which I really (laughs) like their designs. So I'm not going to complain too much about that. Their designs, but I agree. Like their, their character is a little lacking. And in terms of backstory, I really wish we got to see the betrayal Mm. uh gama's betrayal of them because that feels like such an instrumental important moment and i I do understand like you know i like getting these bits and we can kind of piece it together in our mind but that would give them so much character his betrayal of them and so i would love to have seen that yeah yeah i think if i think honestly that may have yeah definitely helped um give them more characterization too and then we could have seen the uh uh, what it was like between Galma and the others, and then exactly like why you know it would have it definitely would have left a little bit more depth between um, them and everything. But when it comes to the the slice of life style uh, part, I like <laughs> um, I really like enjoyed it. Like I thought it was just really nice watching these characters, especially watching it a second time. It was really nice, like watching some of these episodes and just seeing like there were some things I didn't fully catch the first time I was watching it, but I do. I really like the way that trigger does some of these characters and the way that we have just these little moments of characterization, you know, someone looking at someone and certain things that just give them more depth. And it felt really good for this show um, to do it that way, like a slice of life. And it really did feel like a, uh, it kind of gave it that kind of older tokusatsu feel of just, you know, Hey, we're having our normal day. Oh no, there's a kaiju. Now we gotta, <laughs> you know, uh, everyone uh, form up your robots and then like, and then go back, you know, to normal again. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, you said you were going back and forth on the pacing of this. And I, I know I hammered out this bad boy pretty quick, but I did watch the first, but the, the slowest part of this series would be the first six episodes, which I did watch over several days. Mm. And I actually found the pace for this to be pretty like blistering, uh, actually, like uh, despite its slice of life, like homely feel. And I think that's really tied to how they develop their characters, which is really well, but also the fights at the end 
these are so much better than SSSS Gridman. <laughs> Right, like these fights are. Listen, Alex, awesome. I don't know if I would say that. Okay, you're. Oh, really? You're, you're really? encroaching on you know <laughs> on, on like be smart. You know, like that's holy ground there. <laughs> uh, hey, hey, I still love Gridman. I still no. love. I still. <laughs> no, these these but, fights were really. I I enjoyed them thoroughly too. Yeah, that there's just they're even more kinetic than I think the previous show, and I think they're. They're actually a little bit longer a lot of times, and I think the choreography is better. Like I, I think, and I think that just comes with a bigger budget, which is most likely what they had after after the previous series. But what's really cool is that, you know the slice of life, the way they do it. So there's mysteries in this show, like Gridman, but they're not as grand in scope, which is both positive and negative. I think the mysteries in Gridman were. So so mysterious that they're even more interesting to me. But what's really cool about the slice of life is since it's so small in scope and so personal with the, all these connections between these characters, they, they, it just, it's so much more personal, which means like Yumi's story of her sister that somehow died is almost, I would say probably just as gripping as finding out what's beyond the fog in the other show. And that's a real testament to how they develop their characters, I think. Except for maybe, you know, I feel like I know all these characters in some way, like in my life, except for uh, Gama, because he's just like so extra. <laughs> Especially initially, that I don't really feel like I know him. Um, but yeah, You don't know any crazy guys who live by the river and actually eat literal <laughs> live crabs? Right? I mean, I, I've met a couple of these people whenever I've been in New York, but oh. uh, it's, it's a brief encounter where I'm usually like quickly walking away. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I just I just love these smaller stories. They just they each of these back backstories hit pretty hard pretty well. Except for she, I think she says is even interesting. But her entire backstory is done without any words or anything, and it's left for you to kind of like put it together. And if you don't understand the, the cultural relevance of her tattoo then it's going to completely go over anyone's head, right? Mm -hmm. You're not going to understand why having a tattoo in middle school is going to get you banned. Like, (laughs) not banned, but shunned from everyone around you. Right. And then when we reach episode 10, when Yamogi is going through everyone's memories, I hope I put the, I hope that's the right character. Yamogi, he's the main one, right? (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) Yeah, so he's going through everyone's memories uh, and saving them from like their possible alternate future or alternate pasts and all these things, they each have impact. And I really am impressed because it's not often that you get this many characters that you like. Because even Shisei, who doesn't get as much development as everybody else, I like her a lot. And when she has her pet, her mm-hmm. her gigantic pet, um, I, I I felt bad for her when she had to lose it, mm-hmm. and so. I'm just impressed by this show's characterization that's done in 12 episodes. Yeah. No, I, I'm right with you. If I were to describe the tone of the show, I would describe it as sun-kissed melancholy. <laughs> um, I love that slice of life feel of this show um, that either descends or ascends, depending on if you like it or not, into a giant mecha anime show in the style of, I thought of Voltron, um, <laughs> which 
my son and I have enjoyed. That was the Alex recommendation. But Voltron or Power Rangers, that's what this show kind of reminded me of in those mecha moments. Mm. And I, I love the little cutaway still life shots that we get throughout. I love those long distance shots, the long shots of characters walking on beaches, across bridges in the rain, shooting fireworks together. These things yes. all work for me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially what it comes down to is I think Dinah Xenon is a love story. And it's a love story between Yamogi and Yume, mostly. But also a growing love between this group of individuals that come together as a team. Now, I resonated more with Gama and Kiyomi as characters, personally. Gama, not like the homeless aspect. (laughs) I think more (laughs) like his age. But in my life, in my phase of life, I I resonated more with them as characters. But I I really think if I had watched this, if I had the opportunity to watch this as a teenager, I would have loved that focus on the central relationship. Uh, I know I was a brooding teenager full of, you know, crazy emotions. And I think the show really captures some of those ups, up and down emotions that you experience as a teen. Um, I do have a couple critiques of the show, which I'll save for my rating and ranking at the end. Uh, We've already talked about a few of them. But overall, I really just don't have many with this show. Um, One thing I wanted to ask you, though, Professor, knowing that you've seen the original Gridman, the OG Gridman series, in full is what are some of the connections here that I might have missed between Dino Xenon and the original show? Well, it's um, it's very surprising that you asked that, Eric. Um, not like <laughs> this has been written on something <laughs> um, but, uh, to help lead into something. Uh, but uh, okay, um, too much honesty, too much honesty. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I think I'm probably gonna have to re- explain this slightly differently too. So, um the it's so this this is some aspect of this show that kind of amazes me and i explained before that you know this show uh seems to base itself a lot more off of like um some of the older classic mecha shows um which i've been informed by like my wonderful group of uh group of people who came watching my uh weekly discussions about Dino Xenon and also on twitter but they they explained to me many times about Uh, some of these shows that a lot of these references and a lot of these things um, were based off of. And uh, I'm not, I I have a very small pool of mecha shows um, that I have actually seen. I do appreciate the genre, but like, there's a lot of things that they base that stuff off of. But what I'm really amazed off of is that this show is essentially uh, has been based off of a single throwaway episode from the original uh, Gridman. Um, (laughs) episode 18, which involved uh, the very first appearance of Galma, or as he was known in that episode, uh, a mummy. Um, And yeah, so it was essentially long story short uh, during that episode, the, the weekly shenanigans of the villains uh, brought back an ancient mummy that had been recently uh, excavated. And, there was a legend that was with him that said that he had served a, uh, a princess, a Chinese princess, because this was a Chinese legend, uh, 5,000 years ago, um, using his power to control dragons to defend her country and had a promise to marry her later. Uh, unfortunately, members of the royal family had become very afraid of him and his power, afraid that he, you know, would possibly betray them or even maybe try to take over. So 
unbeknownst to the princess, they had the mummy, the, the warrior poisoned. Um, and in the episode, the mummy goes on a bit of a rampage, remembering those feelings. Um, and it's, uh, the main girl of the show, the main of the main trio, uh, Yuka, who explains, who tries to like reach out to the mummy and tell him that, you know, she's gone, you know, she's not here anymore, but she passed away. She took her own life because she couldn't live without him. Um, and this snapped him out of like his uh, his rage, and Gridman was able to save the day and everything. And Yuka essentially took this dragon statue that was excavated from the tomb that he was in and placed it on the mummy. And it's the exact same statue that Galma pulls out of his bag and uses to release Dinazenon, and it's at the end of every theme song for every episode. Um. This whole thing, and it's it's alluded many times during the show that he's like that, even down to his design, because he has wrappings on his chest and his hands and his uh, like even like on partial partially on his boots. Um, but Oof. this entire this entire idea, they took that and just elaborated on it. You know, they change. You know, some things were suddenly changed. You know, I don't think it's really Chinese. It's more they probably went with more just a Japanese aspect but you know instead of dragon tamers it's kaiju users kaiju tamers um and of course you know there wasn't just galma it was a group of them but at the same time it was still galma fell for the princess and that's seems to be like what happened in the show that he had uh basically betrayed from what i gather the others because they knowing that they were going to be betrayed um Basically, we're going to just destroy everything. Uh, but mm-hmm. Galma didn't want that to happen. He didn't. He fell in love with her and wouldn't let that happen. Um, and that was even like a theory. As you're watching the show, there's multiple times where you see Galma without his shirt on or something, and you see there's a mark on his back, and mm-hmm. even the like what looks like dark circles under his eyes. And as the show progresses you'll see that mark getting bigger and even showing up in other places, like on his hands. And it was theorized by a few people in my chat that had said that they had thought maybe that was referencing to the poison. I don't know if that's, that could just be an extra illusion, but you know, the fact that he was uh, basically, you know, his body was decaying through the show, but it's just, um, it's really interesting to me that they built all of this off of such a, a small, episode of uh of Gridman. Um except for the fact too that that was the episode that first aired Dina Dragon. Um hmm. the original Dina the original uh mecha dragon for the original Gridman uh who was a bit more boxy in nature. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but it's really interesting to me that they incorporate all that and a lot of those there's multiple episodes where they finally confirm that 100% um I don't remember what episode it was. It may have been 10 or 11, I think 11, but there's a part where Galma remembers something and you see this distorted image and you see a line from what sounds like a girl talking about his princess. And that is literally the scene from the original Gridman, just with a heavy video distortion over it. Hmm. Um, Oh, I was wondering about that. I was like, that's real life. Like that moment. I was like, that's real. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then um then Funimation uh made an oopsie and uh said that a 5000-year-old mirror had been stolen from a museum 
uh, when they meant to say mummy in the subtitles. So uh, that was, uh, I was like, I watched that being like, oh no, how did you guys miss that? Um, but they, I guess they fixed it because when I saw it, he said mummy. Oh, they did? Oh, well, I'm happy about that. Um, <laughs> Those connections are really cool and you may, you're really making me want to go watch OG Gridman <laughs> some more. Yeah, I'm going to go watch episode 18, you said it was? It was 18, yep. Yeah, and I'm glad that you asked me to ask you that question. (laughs) (laughs) How how glad were we to see Grid Knight come back? I screamed. (laughs) I am not joking. I was so happy at the end of episode six. Oh, my God. It was awesome. It was awesome because I've avoided everything. I... I was hoping people would come in from SSSS Gridman, and I was not disappointed. It was cool to see Grid Knight and Second back at it. Uh, mm. It was. So I'm guessing they're going to be the tendrils that go through all the series and connect them, is my guess. I have I don't a, know. I, maybe. Maybe. I mean, they, they seem to be in a good position uh, to do so, since they seem to be kind of like a wandering duo to uh, help with situations like this. Mm-hmm. Is do you think this is the same universe? Like, or is it the same? Uh, I I don't know. I I see kind of like a multiverse thing going on. If here. I can bring you over to my cork board that I have right over here on the side. Oh no, <laughs> no, it, it's that Charlie from Always Sunny yes, exactly. in Philadelphia. It's always- <laughs> so this was heavily discussed. Um, I talked about this like almost every. Uh, almost every other uh, stream trying to figure this out. So, and I think what it really is, is I believe that the anime, this anime, the second Dynazenon is mm-hmm. set in the original real world from the original Gridman. I believe that this is supposed to be that real world that they were based in um, from multiple things like the, uh, the mummy, and everything being in that world and everything. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you could always go on that. This could be potentially just a, uh, a multiverse sort of thing, or like this is essentially the older Gridman world, but with, you know, some slight modifications or whatever. But yeah. I think that they're alluding that this is similar or almost the same world that the original show took place in, which would explain to um, why the people, which at first I thought, oh, maybe this is the, I originally thought it was, um, SSS Gridman's world, you know, because of the way people were even reacted in there when they were like, there is yeah. a kaiju attack, but people aren't screaming their heads off that there were kaiju in the real world. Um, yeah. but at the same time, it would also make sense that it could have been from the OG Gridman's world because by the end of the series, people in the real world were finally, uh, realize that there are actual monsters out there for majority of the show. These things were happening inside of like computer, the cyber world sort of thing. But by the end of it, people were made aware that there was evil forces at work that were trying to destroy the world. Um, Hmm. So that is kind of my assumption that they're trying to go for. This is the original Gridman world, because there's a couple things that, uh, Knight and second had said about the weakening of the world and the reason they were able to actually get into this one, um, Mm -hmm. that some of the Mm -hmm. borders had been weakened. So it, it, I mean, it can be interpreted multiple ways, but like, that's 
right now what I'm going with is that that's their intention. That's what. Yeah, that's interesting. For what Go it's ahead, worth, Alex. that that's my theory. I mean, I haven't seen all of OG, but I'm like, there's no signs of this being a fictional world. Mm-hmm. You know, because we don't get any of those real world moments except for like that reference to the OG show. Which actually, that reference to the OG show just makes it even more likely that it's in that world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think because we don't get these memory wiping moments, we don't get anything that doesn't tell me it's not in the real world. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like we all know, Grid, SSSS Gridman just said, yeah, this is definitely not. <laughs> the only, the only points that, that could be um, references to that are the fact that there's multiple shots that are uh, in like, like one for one, the same locations from the original grid, uh, not the original grid, sorry. The, the got sometimes I'm like trying to say how to say which original anime season. Yeah. Let's just say the (laughs) first season. Um, Yeah. There's multiple shots that like they're in front of the same convenience store. They're in the same, this location or that location, but it still doesn't prove that a hundred percent because we also know that Akane most likely based that world off of the real world. Mm -hmm. So this could just potentially be where she, uh, where she grew up or where she lived. Um, and that was just basically used as a framework for the city in SSS Gridman. So, huh. so just a fun fact for everybody. I looked up Dina dragon. I had this toy as a kid. <laughs> I had this toy. Uh, Holy that crap. makes me happy. Yeah. Um, all right, Eric, Yes, <laughs> I know I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm just absorbing everything, and um, uh, I, I'm I'm going to ask one more question before we move on. Are, are there any other plans for the franchise moving forward that we know of yet, um, Professor? Have you heard anything? I'm glad you to asked. The future again. of this franchise. Uh, let me move you over to my second and third uh, cork boards that are over here in the closet. <laughs> um, no, so. Uh, this is one thing that I'm a little upset with Trigger, Subaraya, whoever was, uh, you know, in fully in charge of the show, um, because for us viewers on, in the West and basically worldwide who watch it through Funimation, we get to the end of the show. We see, you know, the little like after credit scene and then it just, you know, ends with SSSS Dynazenon. Um, for everyone who is in Japan. Uh, there was a sol- there was a solid just black screen that ended the show with SSS Gridman X Dynazenon. So it is confirmed that there will be a third season, and it sounds like they are going to cross things that happened from the first and second over with each other. So we are going to get an answer to whether your theory is right. If this is real world or not, hopefully. And uh, some (laughs) other questions, because I feel like there's a couple things that they left slightly un unconfirmed. And if they're going to do a follow-up season, um, I'm hoping that that means that they are going to answer uh, certain questions. Like who was it that dropped all of the Kaiju uh, seeds at the beginning of the show oh. in the first episode. Didn't even think to ask that. <laughs> <laughs> that was I, I, that I was did during that the been, first episode, and then it just never crossed happened. my mind again after that. It had it had been driving me nuts because I looked at that thinking, 
those are going to come into play. And then I realized, oh, those are the cores. And I'm like, well, they never say that any of the eugenicists did it. And they acted as if they didn't do it, you know, because they were saying, like, when these kaiju appear and it's like, well, wouldn't you know, because you spread Mm -hmm. these things throughout the city. So it does lead into maybe there's a larger villain at work here. So that makes me very excited. Oh, man. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I, lo- I love this show. Yeah. <laughs> well, before we move into our awards, a quick MVM Plus plug here. This week, Alex gives his review of Black Widow. I talk about the first couple episodes of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which I oh. just started. And we discuss whether or not I slander Alex's name in my written review for Love and Monsters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you ready to talk about that, Alex? A little bit. I'm not going to push back too hard uh, today because I've had a very long two weeks. <laughs> and that pushed you over the edge was my slandering. That was it. That was the thing. <laughs> you can find that discussion over at patreon.com forward slash pod and become a bargain base mite today. Uh, shall we join or shall we join? Shall we move on to our awards? Uh, coolest character award. Alex, who'd you have? Uh, I had Gama because I know I said I related to him the least of anybody, but when he is hungry, he acts like it's crippling, which is just like me. <laughs> which is exactly like me. But the, but really, though, what I, what I really do is I like the way he gets everybody to bond at the beginning unintentionally, just being overzealous, uh, forcing these connections, essentially. And then at the end, he's dying and he pushes he pushes through all of that like pain and everything to help them in that final battle so without gamma they would never been able to save the day even on the first episode i can confirm that alex is speaking the truth uh i I think in the last five years anytime he's he's come over to my place beforehand (laughs) he's called me to ask me if if i wanted him to pick up food so (laughs) (laughs) so yeah it's true. This is true. <laughs> Professor, what about you? Coolest character? Well, uh, I definitely would say that Galma was definitely a very, my first choice. And I also agree. I feel that very much with you, Alex and Galma, because uh, <laughs> I'm diabetic. So uh, sometimes if I don't get food, <laughs> that's uh, that's no joke anymore. Um, but yeah. uh, I would have to say, uh, I would have to give it up with my boy, my child, uh, Auntie, or now his new name, Knight. Um, it's ever since the first appearance, when I saw grid Knight drop in, I was like literally losing it. And then when I watched the next episode, which felt like a decade, uh, (laughs) cause I wanted to see more. Um, when I saw the, the him and second and how they had basically grown and matured and the fact that he was wearing a suit now, um, I, I just, I don't know. I, 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 words escape me i just i love it so much he has basically (laughs) not only has he grown up but he's definitely grown as a character because in the first show you know it felt more like he was he was a villain and then he kind of became the anti-hero but when he dropped in in the uh in that the end of that episode at the beginning of the next episode he felt like an actual hero coming in to save the day and just seeing that growth um, from first season to second and being able to see a, a character go from the first season to the second one just felt very good. 
Yeah. Is there a romance between him and second? Speak on the record. <laughs> I someone <laughs> sent me a link that leads to one of the audio uh dramas because apparently the uh oh. the first season had a ton of them that actually go over a lot of stuff. Um I have yet to listen to any of them because at first I didn't know if they were actually uh subtitled or anything along those lines. Right. But I believe at least this one is and I I don't think that's their relationship, but I could care less. I ship them so hard. They are so adorable <laughs> together because just Knight being so, you know, um, himself and sharp and, you know, not very uh, people person. And second, just having to come in there and be like, listen, listen, everything's okay. Don't worry. You know, we're here to help, you know. Um, yeah. It's their... I, I really enjoy seeing them. There's, there's a few shots uh, and it could just be like a very uh, close relationship and it's not like that, but there, there's some shots like that we get with, um, Oh boy, here we go. Names, name challenge again. <laughs> you, uh, Yumi and Yamogi, like where we get their hands close together. And there's a few shots like that with them, which was the only reason I brought that up. Cause you know, I'm not, I, I never bring up shipping on here. But I did see that. I was like, oh, I wonder if there's like something going on here. I'm not yeah. really a shipping person, but they're too cute for me to not think in All my right. head that that's how it is. I like. All right, Eric, get in on the shipping <laughs> action. What do you think? I, I actually don't think they have that type of relationship. Okay. I, okay well, uh, uh, it was nice talking to you, Eric. Yeah. All right. So thanks for everyone joining me and my, my co-host, Professor Kaiju. Um <laughs> No, I, I I honestly don't. I think there's something different there, um, which is reasonable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think it's something slightly different, a different sort of bond, like a bond that is just as strong, uh, but maybe not romantic. Honestly, I, I, I was getting some interesting vibes between Knight, despite their, like, despite the hatred that seemed to appear from both of them towards each other. I was actually picking up more on like Knight. And Gauma, interestingly oh, enough, oh um, boy, which I thought was interesting. Twitter's having a heyday now. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, no, that, that that is just a couple of times. There's oh, see, one I, mention. I picked up like a rivalry, like a yeah, fun rivalry. There was, and, and I'm not saying there's anything there. There's one, and there was one mention that was like um, they were they're kind of like going back and forth at each other, and it might have been second that said like quit flirting with each other. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. So it was. Just, and I don't know if that necessarily there's anything there, but I I don't know. I think Knight is more of a uh, he he wants to be a lone wolf, but second is there to kind of ground him. Um, and I don't know what that relationship looks like, but I, I really liked the, the the dynamic between the two. And I think every character here, even the eugenicists, are interesting, yes. uh, even if they're not fully fleshed out. We mentioned before, Chize, unfortunately, is probably the least interesting, but that's okay. That's okay. To me, this may not be the coolest character, but it's the character that was my favorite because he had my favorite character arc. And that's Koyomi, who I'll I'll talk more about uh, here in just a bit. But I just liked Koyomi as a character. And there in the last, in the coda of the show, I honestly didn't recognize him at all <laughs> uh, for a second. I was like, oh my gosh, Koyomi, there he is, right? Um, but his character arc was one that I absolutely loved. Yeah, yeah. I, I really liked his character. And it was really funny to see him. At the very end with his haircut. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was yeah. like, it did take me a second. 
Yep. It took me. I was like, I was like who is this? <laughs> I I was wondering who are they bringing in at the last episode to just drop in, and then I was like, oh, that's that, that's him. Wow. Yeah. Very yeah, very cool, Eric. Uh, what about your most memorable line award? Uh, so mine comes from what who turns out to be the kind of the main uh, eugenicist, the most powerful eugenicist, and that's Suzumu. And it's early on. He says, people may seem free, but everyone's bound by something. It's kaiju that frees them from that something. And that line just stuck with me uh, because I'm always – in this series, it, it makes me kind of think about, well, what, what, what's the series trying to say? Uh, what are some of these like tie-ins that they're trying to make? And that line seemed important. And, of course, that line does pay off later on um, when he says something similar to Yamogi at the end of the show, Suzumu does, about how he is just – he's too caught up, right, in these these binds. And, and Yamogi basically responds with, well, yeah, we choose these binds, right? Mm. Um, we choose these connections, and that's what makes us human. Um, and, and so I love that payoff at the end. And I like, I like this idea that the Kaiju, the eugenicist, I wish this would have been fleshed out more. Honestly, it's one of my critiques. I wish, um, we had more of a motivation as to why the eugenicist value the Kaiju. I think we get a little bit here is the Kaiju mm-hmm. that frees people from their binds, but exactly how does that happen? Um, and, and why the Kaiju? I think that could have been explored just a little bit more, uh, but I think it was a really interesting idea. Um, Professor, yeah. what about you? Most memorable line? One of the ones that just comes to mind um, is is from the last episode when Galma is just apologizing to Yamogi about bringing him and everyone into this, thinking that basically everything is going downhill now. And Yamogi is upset at him, you know, half crying, telling him that, you're the reason why we're here in the first place that we're connected at all. Um, and yeah. it, it's, it's like, there are some lines like that, that just, I really enjoy. And I think it's because I'm a bit of a sucker for really good, um, like bonds and team ups and everything like that. When it's a group of people who have come together uh, and just seeing that him, just the fact that they are that Galma is the reason why they're there. But if Galma hadn't done that, they would have never, they wouldn't have grown the way that they had grown. You know, they all helped right. each other in the end, become better people, stronger people by the end. Oh, that's yeah. Good. I, you know, one of those lines that had, this isn't my line, but one of those that had impact for me was, I think it was the cliffhanger ending for episode. I want to say four. I'm going to mm-hmm. guess, but it's when Yumi is talking to some, to one of her sister's old pe- friends, oh, and yeah. it ends on uh, it wasn't an accident. She committed sua, and it ends the episode. <sighs> I was like, oh my god, that was a pretty heavy line to just lead leave off on. Yeah, yeah, and it's like I I, I have to watch it. I can't imagine waiting a week. <laughs> Yeah, it was because <laughs> it's yeah. like, oh wow! And then, honestly, I don't know what you all think about this, but do you all think? Do you all think we were actually given an answer to that? Because I know we see her memory, but isn't that just what it is? That's her memory, so- or or because I know it distorts time, space, and everything the monster does. 
So it could have actually been her sister. So I don't know. I I think that they were definitely implying that it was. I, I think they were trying to imply that it was actually her sister because if it had been just her memory, she would have never known what her sister was actually doing up there. Um, I don't think like I feel like this kaiju was a, uh, like a hyped up version of. Uh, I believe it was Boojack was the name of it. The dream kaiju from the first season. Yeah. This one was not only can it make you see like, it's not just a dream. This is literally reinserting you back into the past um, yeah. and actually like reliving those things and, or changing them, um, you know, but I think that that was the whole point was that these were, they were able to see how things went at those times. Cause the same thing with Koyomi um, he would have never known about the suitcase full of money uh, not being real, you know, or things like that. Like it just, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, huh. yeah. I, I would say she doesn't kill herself. It turns out uh, that's kind of the impression that I got, and I, I don't think it matters necessarily whether or not that that kind of dream like sequence is a dream or if it was reality, because I think what happens there is um, you may basically puts together the pieces for herself. Right. And she uses reason enough to, to put the pieces together and see this wasn't on purpose. Like if, if you look at all these different things um, you can see like this, this was an accident. There's just certain things. Like if you put them together um, it's, it's pretty clear that she didn't kill herself, that this was an accident. Yeah. Um, I, I think that the, the question is actually answered before she ever goes in there. Yeah. And that's when she drops the onks and she reaches for him and falls. Mm. Yeah. I think that pretty much right there says how her sister died. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. That, that's what I took from that moment. I was like, this must've been exactly what happened to her mm-hmm. sister. That's yep. kind of what I took from that moment. Um, but my actual line is oh, yeah, that <laughs> wasn't much, your line. Less, much less serious. <laughs> um, it's, it's actually Yumi again. It's look how cute it. Never mind. And it's when she's looking at Zalon, the little tiny monster who is mm. just hideously ugly. Like she kind of sees its face <laughs> and then it rolls over in the middle of her line and it, it and she sees how ugly it is. Oh, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> That that just reminded me, like this show is surprisingly funny. Like uh, (laughs) there are just some moments of humor in it, like uh, that I laughed out loud at. Like the there's a fun bit of humor. I think it's in the second episode where uh, Gama comes in and he's talking about how he doesn't want to be a nuisance to Yamogi's house and then it just cuts to him snoring in Yamogi's room right and oh and the cramped bathtub scene I mean come on that's so ridiculous and so funny uh even the kaiju battle in that in that episode is funny right like uh just some of the ways that it's edited together may just made me laugh out loud um it was great I think the one for me that got me was when uh Yamogi had come into the battle with Dina Soldier where he had no training. Uh, that might have been the same. Oh, episode yeah. Or, um, but yeah, the fact that, yeah, he didn't know how to control it. So his arms are just moving around in circles, <laughs> unable to do anything in battle. Yeah. yeah. I like it when Chisei gets in it and she's sprinting with the arms straight, straight. down. 
<laughs> so good uh, so good alex what about your can't believe that voice acting award yeah so i watched this subbed and like i know in general we can kind of tell if acting is good or bad but honestly i can't tell much of a difference like you know i'm not gonna pick up on the nuances on like if someone's screaming is particularly stunning or not yeah um but <laughs> i i do think that I, I do think that Kiyome was particularly well done because he's, for me, it didn't seem like he was overly, a lot of times when we get a character crying, like a male character crying in anime, it is just like, holy moly, next level screaming, uh, <laughs> like really oversold. And what I really appreciate is whenever a character in this show, just in general, is like sad, it's really kept understated and like much more realistic in a lot of ways. Yeah. And so I think, uh, that was done really well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Professor, what about you? Uh, so since this, this just recently came up, uh, with dubbing, um, only the first couple episodes, I had started watching, uh, the first episode, but I haven't really gotten much with that. So it's mainly through the, the Japanese version. Um, I feel that Yamogi's voice actor, and I agree with, it's the same thing with Alex who like, I, I really have trouble with judging the Japanese voice actors with a lot of things. Cause sometimes I feel like they're doing a good job, but I'm like, I'm not a hundred percent sure since I, you know, um, <laughs> but I feel that Yamogi for the most part throughout the show, I felt he was doing very well, but it was especially in the last couple episodes that I felt he had a lot of emotion um, behind like his lines um, that just like really resonated with me, especially during the last battle um, that I just, I really enjoyed that just kind of like were just that right feeling of like a little over the top shonen, um, like, you know, we're not going to, you know, let you defeat us sort of thing. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Eric, what about you? <laughs> yeah. Yamogi's great, honestly. Um, I've only seen the Japanese version as well, so that's what I'm going with. I I liked uh, Gaoma's performance, Daiki Hamano. Um, I thought he just had a wide range of emotions to play, and he he pulls them off. So uh, props to that performance. As Alex said, it can be kind of difficult to choose when we're doing voice acting, but I, I did like that performance. Yeah, he, he does. He does good, especially when he's finally a quiet. <laughs> mm-hmm. He does. He, he does really well. Yeah. Eric, what about your most standout animated sequences? Because there are some choices here. Yeah, there are. There are some choices. Um, so it, indulge me for a minute uh, because I, I just want to kind of take a step back. I said my coolest character or my favorite character is Kuyomi because I love Kuyomi's arc. And my favorite animated sequence of the whole series uh, is what I believe to be the most crucial moment for Kuyomi's character arc, which happens in episode 10. Uh, episode 10 just features a bunch of beautiful sequences, but um, it's particularly this one with Kiyomi just really struck me. So Kiyomi is essentially a low life, right? Without much of a purpose. He has no meaning. <laughs> and ultimately, this seems to stem from his lack of belief in himself. He dwells on that moment where he runs away from Inamoto, who has just revealed this bag full of money. Um, if only he had taken that moment or that mo- money, he thinks, 
um, and ran away with her, his life would be different. And, and that was his one chance, at least he thinks it was, to make something of himself and get away uh, back when that money was presented by that girl that he had a crush on. Well, it turns out that Kiyomi is actually very talented, as evidenced by his skill with his mech, right? Um, and we also sense that this this role that he has now with this team is providing him with some meaning and purpose that even though that moment with the money lingers over him, he now has some purpose in life. But in, in that flashback sequence in episode 10, what, what he sees about himself is incredibly important to how we see Kiyomi at the end. What he sees about himself is it was never the money that mattered in that moment. Um, he ran away in that moment because he was scared. But it, it turns out that Imamoto, his crush, never really cared about the money. What she cared about was running away with him. He had like something intangible about himself that he just never realized. It wasn't the money. It was him all along. And I think this kind of inspires him to change some things in his life. It's just a subtle shift. He's the same person as he was before, but he sees things slightly differently. And so there's that sequence where the money is flying in episode 10, the money is flying down and uh, Yamogi breaks through the glass of this mirror and confronts him with this memory. And I just love the look uh, that we see. I think we see Kiyomi's perspective looking at Inamoto, who's kind of looking up to the sky. Her face is kind of clouded. I just love the animation there. That's to me one of the most powerful moments in this entire series. So thanks for Ooh. indulging me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that, that is that that is good. She was terrifying. Let's just <laughs> yes, be real. She was. She's right. Yeah. yeah. I was scared. Yeah. I thought that she had taken that money from like a, a crime organization or <laughs> yeah. someone had died. You know, like I. <laughs> I didn't get that feeling from her. Uh, uh, they presented to her, to me, especially before we find the money, uh-huh. like that it's money that she's like presenting to him. Yeah. That like, she is completely creepy to me. Uh-huh. And so it, I felt like she was manipulating him in a bad way. And then uh-huh. again, we see, we do see that is happening later on when she's having drinks with him. It feels a bit, it felt like to me that she was manipulating. Oh, him really? For, I didn't get that vibe from to, her at all. But then actually, she's like so nice to our main character, Kiyomi. So I'm like, yeah, I, I don't I know if I'm reading this right or not, but I just, I, I, she's giving me weird vibes. I think oh, that's that interesting. Maybe, I didn't get that. But yeah, she gave me weird vibes in somewhat the same situation. But I feel like when I was rewatching a couple of those episodes, that it may have just been that she also, you know, we don't know anything about her per se, what's going on with her mentally, but. Right. I think that it might be like that's her issue herself because she did say like why did I get married again and some things You're like right. that that maybe that's her own personal problems of like she doesn't really she feels in a weird wishwashy mood that she sees him again and maybe starts having feelings but then has second thoughts on the matter um leaving Ooh. Koyomi in a weird spot thinking you know oh great you know why'd she lead me on when maybe she's also in a slightly confused uh spot as right. well so mm. good point good point yeah. uh so you, Alex? i <laughs> i had to give a shout out to episode five uh particularly this moment with the big battle with neophobia he's a pretty uninteresting monster uh at first 
But there's a moment where they've got him knocked on. He's just, he's knocked, he's upside down. He looks like he's done. And then the attack that he launches afterwards is just so cool looking. <laughs> it's like caught, caught me off guard completely that I just, I had to give it a shout out. Like there are better, more choreographed moments in this, like especially once Grid Knight enters the fray, <laughs> which are, I think much probably animated better, but this one was like a shocking revelation that I, I, I thought it was a really cool moment. Yeah. And, and also I would just say, uh, Props for a more tasteful swimming episode. <laughs> oh, that yeah, <laughs> less I, less fan service, yeah. you know, like so, which I was like, so I was grateful for. It. <laughs> I was thinking that when it happened, I'm like, oh, here here goes the typical yeah. every anime ever swimming episode, and it's but funny it because it's also episode five. That was the same episode, the swimming yeah. episode from the first season. Yeah. So, and it is, uh, it is just really well done because it is all focused on the characters and it doesn't dive into typical anime tropes. And I just, I was really impressed with it. And it even made the bad guys pretty funny because they just wanted to go. Oh man. That episode, <laughs> just wanted to go to the, to the park. I, I love uh, when Gauma tells them, who's he walking with he's like hurry up but don't run oh yeah he kept running but then it cuts to the lifeguard and the lifeguard doesn't say anything this time because he's just hurrying up and not running it's just such a small little moment it made me laugh oh i love that (laughs) so good professor what about you uh so i'd like to first make one small amendment earlier that i think uh or a, a small addition to the to the favorite lines because he could I could say the one with the end there, but I also remembered um, the uh, the earlier line from the very first episode. Uh, Chise, because of all this talk about Koyomi, uh, when he was first pulled into Dinah Xenon, um, and she just stated dead and unemployed, yeah. thinking he had just died. <laughs> yeah. and I'm like that was just such a great <laughs> uh, little line there. <laughs> Uh, That's good. But so my standout sequence. So I think every sequence in this show that involves Dinah Xenon and when they first do their full combination sequence with um, the robot mode and everything looks so good. Uh, Every part, um, the flashing, like, uh, you know, just how everything comes together. But it holds no candle to when Grid Knight which I was hoping ever since he showed up in the show uh, was able to combine with Dinah Xenon to form the over the top, ridiculously named super dragon King Kaiser grid Knight, <laughs> um, which is its legit name. And that whole sequence was just so it made like, like the kid in me really happy to see, um, him basically in the place of like what Gridman would do and being mm-hmm. combining with these other mechs and forming a stronger hero. And then, uh, I don't know, there's something about that flowing galaxy laser cape that he has. It's just oh. so over the top and wonderful <laughs> it's about so it. It's so great. It's so great. <laughs> um, just it's like all of those sequences trigger does so well with so many things. And I think that um, just seeing that I never got tired of seeing them do their combination sequences. So, yeah. 
Um, how about Kaiju Design Award? Professor, starting with you. Um, well, I'd like to say that every week while watching this, it kind of was, ah, I think this is my favorite Kaiju. And then, wait, <laughs> this might be my favorite Kaiju. Because a lot of these Kaiju designs are really very interesting. The the color choices and the designs themselves um, are just so out there. Uh, especially with some of them having such like wild colors and everything, but the correct choice is Zion. Um, The the small, uh, so ugly, it's cute Kaiju that, uh, that also gave me a little bit, probably the reason why I like him the most uh, Google us feeling with his tail uh, specifically almost looks like Google us from the first seasons uh, uh, head and neck, but there's something about him that's just really adorable. And the fact that he really was just a, a tiny little, you know, uh, un, uh, unmenacing Kaiju and with his little hands and everything. And just, I don't know there. It, there's something about his derpy look that I just, that really just grew on me. <laughs> do you, do you think he was actually bad? Was the eye reveal like showing that maybe malicious intent? I honestly, uh, uh, it pains me to say this because like it, it really puts every uh, puts people in a negative light at the show. I really think that Kaiju did nothing wrong. <laughs> I think this Kaiju really was just a curious little guy who then finally did grow to Kaiju, like legitimate, like Kaiju size. And um, I think he was just a curious little fellow. And unfortunately uh, his curiosity was kind of endangering, possibly endangering people. Um, yeah, I think that's legit. Uh, like, I don't think that damages the show at all. I think the because the eugenicist didn't have control of him, right? Right. Um, and so he was kind of a kaiju in uh, uninhabited territory for the kaiju. Uh, and yeah, I don't think there was malicious intent. It was just doing the role that the kaiju was meant to do, right? Uh, but... And that is the the question that's explored here is like, what is the ethical line, which I did like. I think it could have the show actually could have leaned into that just a little bit more uh, because I thought it was going to go to some interesting places after that. But that's kind of the last time that we get that sort of ethical uh, question in episode eight there. But it's, it's definitely interesting. I was also hoping that they were going to dive more into it, um, especially when that's brought up about Kaiju and uh, talking to in the same episode to night and second about like, Oh, it's not like you guys are Kaiju or anything. And they Mm -hmm. both just stare off into the distance sort of thing. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, uh, (coughs) yeah. Funny that. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Alex, what about you, man? I think for me, it had to be Gagula, the final monster Mm. of the series, because while the design's cool, it's really actually the laugh that it's like its roar is like this laugh, <laughs> and it's just like a little bit creepy, and I like it. Like it's like this overconfidence while it's fighting that I just really like. Mm-hmm. It's my he's my second choice if I had to choose a, a kaiju, and it's also the design and yeah that um that laugh. I actually had originally was planning on uh, since I know you guys like to do that for your intros. Um, I had a sound bite of his laugh that I was going to incorporate into the theme um, <laughs> at first. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a really, it's a really good, uh, 
it's a really good creepy sound effect for him because it also feels like because of his fusion and everything, it really feels like a human laughter coming from it reminded me of uh what's the guy's name alexis what's his name carob yeah Mm -hmm. it reminded me of his laugh uh Mm. is what it reminded me of i was like oh my gosh we're kind of invoking alexis here um which i thought was really interesting uh eric what about you um so mine they're great choices of course but the one that keeps coming back to my head is neophobia that's the kind of like blue dome one. Oh yeah. That's <laughs> uh, the one I had for my uh, my standout animated sequence. Oh nice. Yeah, yeah. It's subtle, it's simple, and it's able to attack from both ends. Um I I just like also that these if you kind of look into some of the names of these kaiju, they are all named very purposely. Uh and if you look at like the episodes, sometimes they kind of match what's happening in the episode. Neophobia is a real fear, right? It's the fear of the new, uh, which I thought is, is pretty interesting. And I think we see that reflected in that episode as well. Oh, very interesting, Eric. Yes. I did not know this. Thank you, Alex. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how about excellent episode award? This is kind of a bonus award here. Excellent episode. Alex, what about yeah, you? What was I, your most excellent episode? That's really tough, but yeah, Tim, is, yeah. It, it's probably the best. I mean, it's got the most payoff for all of these characters that have been wonderfully built so far. I just wish, wish we had gotten Chisei in there. Mm. there. There was no reason for her to not be in there, uh, yeah. really. So I wish she had been in there so we could have gotten a little bit of her, a little bit of her. But it's just such a wonderful episode. Wow, yeah. y- Yamogi is yeah. diving and crashing through everybody's. Uh, dream states it's just a reality i guess it is in this case it's just so cool to see him bursting through all these things and like slowly waking everybody up yeah i'll piggyback off you alex and say 10 was my favorite it was just an absolute killer honestly and it had a different sort of narrative style that felt just completely fresh in the show similar to my favorite episode of sssss gridman which was episode nine um, everything about that episode is cool and hits emotionally for me. Same thing with this episode. Um, it's just even how the animation style changes. Uh, I mentioned my, my standout animated sequence before even that sort of change in style was just refreshing and really worked to bring that tone to that episode. Now, uh, professor, if yours is 10, then we're like the three little pigs. We're all going to be piggybacking. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I, I'll half piggyback off you because it's really is a toss up between 10. Um, that that really would be one of my choices. But considering um, that I've rewatched uh, the first half, at least, of uh, episode 12, like five or six times literally now, um, I might go with 12 <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and it is a lot of it just comes down to the fact that it's the final, it's the finale, it's the buildup. Um, all of the characters have gone through, uh, you know, their low points and they're finally come back, uh, coming back, teaming up and fighting against the villains. And there's multiple points in just that, that battle sequence that really get me especially the fact that it's the, the all of the eugenicists teaming up against um, our heroes and I think that that uh, that like that 
back and forth. Just the the uh, the balance between them, seeing the four mm. versus the four, is just really like hits home with me. Mm. On top of the fact that like some the the battle sequences are just the whole battle sequence is just knocks it out of the park. It's so cool when they're individually attacking mm-hmm. at, the, at the beginning of the fight. Mm-hmm. Oh. You have that you have that shot, the moon shot where you see their shadows in the moon. That's Oh yeah. <laughs> oh man, that part's awesome. <laughs> it is awesome. Uh, well, let's let's go ahead and move into our last part of the show here, our rating and our ranking. Uh we rate out of 5 and I'm curious where you rank this among uh, Gridman series that you've seen. Uh, so, Professor, we'll start with you. What's your rating and ranking of SSSS Dynazenon? So, I think that when I watched um, the first season of the anime, I think I gave that... I want to say I gave it a 4.5 out of 5. Um, or yes, you did. Those lines. Okay. Uh, actually, I can't remember. You said 4.5. I was looking at our old notes to see if I could find my score mm. back then. You put 4.5 or 5 out of 5, so I don't know what you get. I, I probably erred on 4.5, and it's the same thing with this show, is that I want to just immediately say I love this show so much, I want to say it's a 5, but I, tr- I'm, I try not to be uh, too, like, uh, throwing out the numbers like that. Like, I still have problems with the show. There are still things that I... I am upset with because I feel if they had just done and tweaked a few things here and there that it could have easily become a five out of five for me. Um, But, you know, it's but like the fact is I'm the reason I'm upset is because everything else was so good. I'm upset that there's anything in the show that I'm upset with, you know, like it's (laughs) it's one of those that I wish it um, they had like, you know, just done some things a little differently and when it comes to trying to rank it with what I've seen, um, again, it's really hard for me to judge the old Gridman show per se, yeah. like between these two. But at least out of um, the first two seasons, I think that I have come around. Um, I'd wanted to say this at my last on my last stream for the show, but I held back on it. And now that I've thought about it. I really do think that Dynazenon ranks just slightly higher than SSS Gridman uh, for me. <laughs> you know, not not a whole lot, not like an enormous amount, but just enough that there's there's a there's a fair enough distinction between both of them. I think the way that the characters panned out in this show, and I think that's really where it comes down to, is just the the core characters and the fact that they all were given. Um, you know, growth, like as much as great as a character as Akane was, she was a single character in the entire show. Mm -hmm. And my biggest problem was the fact that, uh, Yuta and Rika really didn't have much personality. And even Utsume, who I enjoyed him while he was on screen, still didn't have a lot of depth per se. So the whole, the, the entirety of the show really was like on the back of Akane and somewhat even auntie who at least had like his own kind of character arc. But, in Dynazenon, the entire like main cast of characters just I want to see more about them. I want mm-hmm. to see them, you know, see what their pasts are and see them move past that. And they did, and it was just really fulfilling to see all of that happen in the show. And it just doesn't compare to just the one character. Um so mm-hmm. so yeah, I really feel like Dynazenon still it improved a lot of things that 
the the original series had problems with while it kind of dropped a couple things that I think the first season did just a little bit better but I mm-hmm. think overall it it still succeeded a little bit more than the first nice I'm going to piggyback off you because I think you and me are probably maybe a little bit more aligned with each other uh, than Eric, since Eric hates this so much, clearly from the except for Psycho Gorman, but you know that's just you know. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. <laughs> We're never bringing that show, that movie up again on this podcast. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm just gonna put a bleep there what you said, and no one's gonna ever know. <laughs> I forgot you're the editor. You can just like, <laughs> silence me, I guess. Yeah. So <laughs> I can I control the narrative. <laughs> um. Yeah, so I'm a lot like you. I, I'm putting this one just a hair above grid, uh, the Gridman anime. Uh, I, I can't rank the OG series because I haven't seen all of it yet. But I really, the, both of these anime, I really like a lot. And like, but what puts this one above Gridman for me is, like you said, it's the characters because there weren't enough characters in the previous one, like. We got one big character and that that was about it, which is okay because the way it worked was phenomenal. But this one, I get so many tethers. I also get one thing that I gripe about, and that is that we just get people doing things. And that was one of my problems actually with SSSS Gridman. So we get Gridman shows up and he's awesome, which is totally fine. That's fine. But then we get all these things showing up and everything just works and that's it. But we actually get a little training here. We see people <laughs> training. It's something that I want from Ultraman. It's something that I want from like all these Toku shows that we never really get. So I love that we see people training, not being able to operate their vehicles the way they're supposed to, and things like that. That's a lot of fun. <laughs> and obviously, I like that Yume flies to school in her jet. Just <laughs> whenever she's late. I just love that she gets in a jet. But really, it, it's the characters and the mysteries that are here. And while they're not as good, in my opinion, if you compare them to Gridman, because those are just like so out there. I love Lost. So those Gridman mysteries were speaking to me on their level. But these mysteries are really great because of our characters and the tethers to them. And since we care about all of these characters, we care about all of their backgrounds and their, their small little mysteries that are resolved. Now I do I do you wish that the eugenicists were more interesting and I do wish Chisei got a little more spotlight but I really I really love this anime. I mean, I'm giving it a 4.5 out of 5 as well. Nice. Nice. I said earlier that this is a sun-kissed melancholic slice of life anime that has characters that are just really easy to love. Um I think the villains the eugenicists are likable in their own way. They seem to be serving their purpose as Kiyomi tells Mujina later on in the show. Um, But that also kind of makes the the show feel a bit aimless at times. I think I, I I like it, but I also scratch my head about how nonchalant the eugenicists are (laughs) each time that they lose. Right. Uh, It's, it's really interesting to me that they're just like, well, We'll get them next time, you know? Um, It's interesting. I also think we had a chance to explore some of the real-life consequences of the hero's actions because these actions do seem to be taking place in the real world 
unlike SSSS Gridman, which happened more in like that dream space. Now, mm-hmm. the show does touch upon those consequences. We talked about that in episode eight. Um, it talked about the consequences of killing Kaiju. Um, in, in early episodes, there were consequences of hurting people. But I, I felt like that could have been explored even a bit more. And going back to the Genesis for a second, I like them and I sympathize with them to an extent because I just think they're well-designed characters, but I'm still not sure why they have the motivations that they have. It's just something I wish we would have explored just a bit more. Hard to do whenever you are exploring so many characters in a way that feels meaningful already. So it's a small complaint, a small complaint. Now, I do think I would have enjoyed the show more as a teenager even than I do now. Um, I actually don't rate it quite as high as SSSS Gridman because like Alex, I was a sucker for those mysteries in that original series. I just think there's something really interesting about the ideas explored there. There's just so many routes that you can take with those themes. And I I love something that is that thematic. Uh, So I don't rate this as high as SSS Gridman. I'm going to give this a, which I gave a four out of five on our last show. So I'm going to give this a 3.5 out of five, but that could easily change with subsequent viewings. Boo. <laughs> Boo. Well, I'm so uh, glad my co-host, uh, Professor Kaiju's let you on this podcast. I was about to say, well, Eric, I don't think me and Alex will, uh, unfortunately have you again on <laughs> monsters versus professor. Uh, <laughs> Oh, man. I am the true monster, apparently. (laughs) Yes. For giving it a 3.5 out of 5, which is a good score. (laughs) Uh, Well, let's let's do our rhyme time. Next week, we are diving into Godzilla Singular Point. Uh, Professor, did you prepare a rhyme for Godzilla Singular Point? I sure am making that right now. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, you're speaking my language. Oh, man. You and Alex, you guys are just at the 4.5 level coming up with your rhymes. Okay, listen. All right. I made it a rap intro, okay? You did. At the it, last minute. Honestly, right, so. we could excuse you from this rhyme time just because of that rap, if I'm, you would like us. I'll try to throw... If you if you guys go first, I think I might have something. Okay. Alex, you got one? Uh. Yeah, I got at least half of one. We'll see how it goes. Um, next week, we're diving into Godzilla Singular Point. Is it the finest joint, or does it make me want to scream uh, at the screen? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Oh, my um, <laughs> mine is, is Godzilla Singular Point about to be appointed king of the Godzilla anime? Or will it be too disjointed to be anointed? Oh, that was good, Eric. Mm. That was good. That was good. Thank you. Thank you. I have to do something right every once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> Professor? You nailed it. You got you got your one time a month that you do it right. <laughs> so I'm not sure if I'm using one of these words exactly correctly here. But oh, then don't this. do it. Don't never do it. We never use words incorrectly here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure. Especially with... um. What was it, Alex? Your your rhyme? Uh, oh, you know what? Let me implore Alex's method of uh, go. uh, Godzilla singular point um, something something. This rhyme is dead now. I just given up now. <laughs> uh, no. Um, yes. So old school jet jaguar and kaiju galore. Will the science heavy anime keep your senses implored, or just give you a snore? 
Mm. Oh. I'll take it. I'll take it. Uh, <laughs> Professor, where can people find you online and what do you have in store here in the near future? Um, so if you grab a stone bowl and, uh, put a, at least half a cup of blood into it while saying the words, uh, no. Okay. So <laughs> you can find me on basically every, uh, Instagram, Twitter, uh, and YouTube as professor Kaiju P R O F K A I J U, uh, mainly Twitter and YouTube where I do my, uh, all my Toku, uh, Toku and Kaiju, uh, videos and, I have hopefully got down the pipeline um, doing an episode on uh, Pacific Rim, the black, which has been kind of like on the back burner for a bit and uh, a few other uh, movies I've been meaning to get to, but then I should be putting out what should hopefully be a very well edited uh, video on Dinazenon. Put all my thoughts and everything together. All right. Can't wait for that. Cool. Well, thanks again for joining us, ma'am. It's been it's been really fun. It's of always course, fun. Thank you for that. Th- I mean, of course, our episode on Dinozino had to go about twice the length as our normal episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it did, did, did. We haven't had one this long in a while since Gamera, probably. No, but uh, that's sorry just, about that. that's the way. It, no, that's the way it rolls. That's the way it rolls when you're covering twelve episodes of a show. So, as always, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at nvm underscore pod. On Letterboxd, we're Alex Cornette and Eric Neely. You can email us, mvmpod at gmail.com, or leave us feedback at mvmpod.com. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash mvmpod and receive weekly bonus off-the-cuff episodes. And if you feel so led, leave us a review on iTunes. Those reviews really do help. Monsters vs. Men is produced by Alex Cornette. Executive producers are Kevin Alexander, Faye Basier, and Michael Herndon. Special thanks to our wives, comma, Rock Band for PlayStation 3, Senior Honda, Drew the Collector, our Instagram connector, and you, the listener, for listening. Until next week, try, try to, to stay, stay alive. alive. <laughs> Kaiju's evading monsters versus men. So what's the topic you even have to ask? Will the boys' grid knowledge be up to task? Come on, everybody, get your Kaiju freak gun. This week, we're talking about dying to Xenon. Can these four souls that are broken and scarred shine like stars through the city's charred? They need to get tied to the strongest combination to defeat you, Genesis Kaiju domination. Now put your hands together and get ready to blast. Here comes the top-tier bargain basement Kaiju podcast. And if you too want some kind of half rap uh, intro for your uh, pod video, whatever, uh, e- PayPal me money. You you can PayPal me money, and I'll I'll do it. Uh, or you know maybe Eric and Alex want to to PayPal me money. That would be cool too. You know, um, uh, that would be really cool. You know, Eric and Alex, that'd be really cool. Maybe just uh, maybe just a little bit. You know, it'd be just a little bit. That'd be really cool.